0: The 2020 National Defense Authorization did a lot of things, including writing what Guardsmen and Reservists thought was a wrong. That had to do with credit toward their early retirement pay. For the details, we turn to the National Guard Association President, retired Army Brigadier General J. Roy Robinson. Mr. Robinson, good to have you on.
1: Good morning, Tom. Thank you for having me.
0: Tell us what was at stake here and what the NDAA fixed for Guardsmen and those in the Reserves.
1: So in uh, 2012, Congress actually created a new mobilization authority that's referred to as 12304 Bravo. It allowed access to, to the services or gave the services easier access to the Guard and Reserve for some of the missions that they do that may be outside of a theater of war. And uh, the problem with it is an unintended consequence is that the, the mobilization authority didn't, did not allow for the early retirement that guardsmen get for being mobilized under other authorities. And uh, we've been trying to we work towards kind of cleaning up some of the benefits side of the 12304 uh, Bravo Authority. And in the past, we were actually able to clean up the uh, GI Bill education benefits pre- and post-deployment health coverage. And now we're able, in the uh, 2020 NDAA, to actually... Uh, they'll actually get credit towards early retirement, as they do with the other authorities that they can be mobilized under.
0: And just give us a sense of the types of things they would be called on to do, as you mentioned, outside the theater of war under 12304 Bravo.
1: So they could be sent to Bosnia, they could be sent to um, the Horn of Africa, they could be sent to other places, like the Sinai, where there's been peacekeeping missions for extended periods of time. Uh, they could actually be deployed uh, stateside in response to a a federal requirement under 12304 Bravo.
0: And what's your sense of how many times this happened? And do we have any idea of how many guardsmen and reservists might have been affected?
1: I don't know what the number is. You know, initially when the authority was originally established, it was scarcely used. Uh, As the services got more comfortable with it, they began to use it more routinely. So there's numbers of both service members throughout our formations that have been affected. They've Maybe they've gone down to Central America, they've done some of the humanitarian missions, they've responded to crisis overseas. And the thing that's significant is that they may be actually working with active duty counterparts doing the same job in the same place, but because they're under this specific authority, they didn't get the same benefits to include the early, the uh, early retirement pay and some of the education benefits.
0: Do you think that that omission originally, when Congress created twelve three hundred four, to leave out their retirement pay, was that a policy or just simply by mistake? Because laws do sometimes oh, have flaws. Was,
1: I think it was an, an omission. I, I think they. Uh, I think it was an unintended consequence when they developed the authority. If you look at all the the statutory authorities that. Reservists and National Guard members can be uh, mobilized and deployed under it is a huge, uh, sometimes uh, complicated process. And I think uh, the Congress, with good intentions on establishing a new authority, they just had, they just didn't, they weren't able, didn't realize some of the things that they didn't get done. Um, that we we've kind of been cleaning it up, but I think it was just a unintended consequence of a very uh, uh, extensive document, and a big change.
0: We're speaking with retired Army Brigadier General J. Roy Robinson, President of the National Guard Association of the United States. And what's the effect of getting this credit toward retirement pay? How does that actually work with for someone whose so, main job is not in the military services?
1: So if you think about it, uh, historically, guardsmen and reservists, With 20 years of good service, they draw uh, their retirement pay at age 60. Well, in uh, 2008, Congress passed a law based on the utilization of the Guard and Reserve and the time that uh, some of our soldiers and airmen were spending away from their job and their home. And basically what it did is it enabled them to receive their retirement pay three months earlier for every 90 days that they are mobilized prior to age 60. So as they accumulate those 90-day blocks, then they move back from age 60 on the date that they will actually be eligible to draw their retirement. Some as early as 59, 58, some cases even, even less.
0: What is your sense of the trends in how much they are deployed in the last 10, 15 years? Because it seems like more and more.
1: You know, I think it's, uh, it's the world we live in. Um, I think the services understand, both the Army and the Air Force, that uh, there's no way that they can meet the requirements of the uh, uh, national defense strategy and do the things that uh, the country is asking of them without leaning heavily on on the members of the National Guard and Reserve. Um, These are... You know, so National Guard members come from all kind of backgrounds. Some have served on active duty, and they want to finish their career in the Guard. But the the services understand very clearly now, based on kind of the situation that we're in as a country, that they have to have the Guard to be able to meet the mission requirements. Um, you know, it wasn't necessarily that way 25 years ago. But it has been that way for the last 19 years, and it's probably going to be that way into the foreseeable future
0: and looking ahead to 2020 and 2021 anything else on your agenda that you feel congress can address with respect to the guardsmen and reservists
1: you know we, we want to continue to we want to continue to talk to the congress about the idea that without regard to the service component that a member serves in their benefits should be similar they should be the same um you know i think I can't conceive that we shouldn't be in a position as uh, the country that we are and what we're asking of our service members without regard to component that we wouldn't provide them all with uh, TRICARE insurance, health insurance, which would, number one, raise the medical readiness. But it also is just that should be just a a benefit of the service and, and the ask that the country is, is doing now. We want to continue to talk about uh, suicide prevention. This is something the the, the mental health care space uh, that we need to continue to focus on. You know, we continue to have uh, dark days throughout our formations where some of our members may be in situations where they take their own life, and we want to continue to try to do everything that we can to help them to, to prevent those tragedies from happening, um, there's some things coming in terms of, you know, I think if uh, if some of our civilian employers support our service members for multiple deployments, you know, I can envision that eventually it would be a good thing to offer them some tax benefits to where if uh, if an employer has a a service member who's away for, you know, six months that they get a certain level of tax benefit for supporting that service member and allowing him to go off and serve the country. And that tax benefit could grow based on the number of deployments that he supported that member on and the amount of time that that member actually spends away from the away from the job. You know, if you think about it, uh, it's it's been pretty tough. I mean, small businesses really supported the National Guard and what we've required of them. And if, you, if we were able at some point in time to offer TRICARE as a full-time medical benefit to all service members, and then we were able to offer the employers who support us and everything that we do with some tax incentives, you know, it may get to the point to where some of the small businesses are, are actually seeking the employment of some of our, our National Guard members. And they should be rewarded for the kind of support that they lend to the National Guard. We, we could never do it without employers who are who are with us in the fight, so to speak.
0: A solid agenda. Retired Army Brigadier General J. Roy Robinson is president of the National Guard Association of the United States. Thanks so much for joining me.
1: Thank you, Tom, for having us. Thank you so much.
0: We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.